0: Father in heaven, we thank you that we can come into your presence this morning as your children, knowing that we are going to be fed as we study your word. There's no question about it, Lord, we've been blessed so far in our worship service with four wonderful baptisms. But now, Lord, we want to tarry in your presence just a little longer as your Holy Spirit teaches us from your word. Guide our time together, we ask, in Jesus' name, amen. In the book of Revelation, there is a passage of Scripture that we are all well acquainted with, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17. There the Bible tells us, that the dragon is angry. He is enraged with the church, God's last day church specifically. And the Bible tells us that he goes to make war with the remnant of the church's seed. Now, we see that playing out in our day and age today. But the Bible goes on and it gives us two specific characteristics that will help us identify the remnant of the church's seed. The Bible says they do two things. Number one, they have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And number two, they keep the commandments of Jesus, all ten of them. Now, as we have looked at this in our Bible Prophecy Seminar, we have already heavily looked at the Ten Commandments and the importance of their validity in our day and age. We've looked a little bit at the testimony of Jesus, which the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 19 is the gift of prophecy manifested through a prophet. So two things that the remnant of the church's seed would have, they would keep all Ten Commandments, and they would have the gift of prophecy as manifested through a prophet. We've already covered that ground in our Bible Prophecy Seminar. This morning, I want to take a look at this testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy, a little bit more in our time together. And I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to our Scripture reading to start this off. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Your Bible is going to get a little bit of a workout this morning as we go from passage to passage. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Paul tells us an important thing here. He says this, "For as the body is one and hath many members and all that and all the members of that body, one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ." And then he says this in verse 37, verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God had sent some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps of government, diversity of tongues. And so he goes on to list the different gifts of the spirit. But Paul tells us here that the church of God is like a body, a body that has many members, Hands, feet, arms, legs, eyes, ears, all of these different members that work together for the movement of that body. So as God's people, he gives us different spiritual gifts. And as those spiritual gifts come together, it helps with the movement of God's church. Now, we need all of these spiritual gifts. And one of them that Paul mentions is the gift of of prophecy. Now, as you look at the body of Christ, it has many different members. What role would the gift of prophecy play in the body of Christ? I want you to go with me in your Bibles to answer that question to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 9. What role does the gift of prophecy play In the body of Christ. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 9. The Bible says this. Here's some pages rustling. 1 Samuel 9, 9. The Bible says this. Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake. Listen to this. Come, let us go to the what? Seer. For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a what? A seer. So what were prophets called in the Bible? They were called seers. So in the body of Christ, I'm going to suggest to you this morning that the gift of prophecy would be like the eyes in the body of Christ. The Bible tells us they see. They see into the future. They know what God is going to do because God has revealed to them through the prophetic gift What is going to transpire in the future? How many of you are thankful for your eyes this morning? How many of you are thankful for the gift of prophecy? Wonderful gift. We spend much time in our time studying the word of God in our Bible prophecy seminar, looking at the books of prophecy as God reveals to his people what will transpire in the last days. So the gift of prophecy would be the eyes in the body of Christ. Now, I want you to turn with me to one more passage, and then we're going to get into our handout here. Go with me to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18 Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18 Bible says this Proverbs 29:18 it says where there is no vision the people what perish but he that keepeth the law happy is he now many times people use this passage incorrectly they use it in the context of a vision in terms of where you want your life to go now you could obviously apply it that way and say we need to plan for where we want our life to go but the more accurate translation according to the scriptures the word vision there is the word that is used for prophetic vision The gift of prophecy, if you will. And so the Bible here is telling us that without prophetic vision, what happens to the people of God? They perish they perish. They come to their demise because they don't know what God is going to do, where he is going to lead them, what is going to transpire in the earth right before he comes back to take them home. So the gift of prophecy I'm suggesting to you this morning is imperative to our spiritual prosperity and ultimately to our salvation in the kingdom of heaven, because it's through the medium of a prophet that God reveals how he will move. The Bible tells us in the book of Amos that God will do nothing nothing unless he first reveals it unto his servants the who the prophets so if we want to know what god is going to do where he is going to go what is going to transpire we need to study the writings of his prophets now there is something very interesting that we find in the book of revelation revelation chapter 3 and verse 18 the bible tells us something about the last of the seven churches uh, the church of laodicea it says i counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And then notice what it says here. And anoint thy eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest what? Does Laodicea have a problem with their eyes, yes or no? They do. The counsel, this is in red letter, this is Jesus talking to the church of Laodicea. The counsel that he gives to them is to anoint their eyes with eye salve, so that they can see. I'm going to suggest to you this morning that one of the ways we anoint our eyes with eye salve is by studying the writings of God's prophets. And I'm also going to suggest to you this morning that if we neglect the writing of God's prophets, we are going to find ourselves in a very difficult predicament. So the writings of God's prophets, Laodicea has a hard time following the writings of, ...that God has given to us through the medium of the gift of prophecy. This morning, I want to follow the advice of Jesus and have my eyes anointed by the writings of his prophets. Amen? Now, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to explain to you how this handout is going to work. And uh, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at five different scenarios of how God has raised the gift of prophecy... So I'm going to explain this to you first, and then I'm going to prove it to you from the Bible in five different ways, okay? So I'm going to tell you what it is, and then I'm going to back it up from Scripture. So the first thing we find is this. Uh, well, they're going to adjust the, uh, the, thing, the thing here, so I'll let them do that. So the first thing we find is that God raises up the gift of prophecy, then he gives that prophet a message, and then in that message, we find that God gives that prophet a time prophecy, That time prophecy is not present truth for that prophet. In other words, it is not fulfilled during his time. In that message, we're told that God will come in judgment during that time of the Bible prophecy. And then there would be a remnant that would be called out at the end of that prophecy when the judgment comes. Then at the end of the prophecy, God raises up a second prophet... He gives them the gift of prophecy. He gives them the same message that he gave to the first prophet. This time, the time prophecy is fulfilled. It's present truth for him. He's living during the fulfillment of that Bible prophecy. Uh, The message is present truth. So God comes in judgment at that point, and then he takes the remnant out, or the chosen people, he takes them out. So this is a method that we find used five different times, probably more than that, throughout Scripture. And I'm going to show this to you from the Bible together This morning. So, in your handout, there are five places or five different scenarios are outlined. You have three here on the front and you have two here on the back. Underneath where it says first prophet, there is a blank line where you can write the name of that prophet. Underneath second prophet, you can write the name of that prophet and you can fill in all the details as we go along. So, just follow along there. I'll have all the answers up here on the screen. Now, I'm going to let you know ahead of time we won't have time to read all of the Bible passages unless you want to stay here until around 2 o'clock. It got awfully quiet. <laughs> no, I won't do that to you, okay? So we won't, we won't read all of the Bible passages, but many of them you're going to be familiar with. You want to jot them down so you can go back and read it for yourself. But we will read several of them just so we can kind of get a feel for how this goes. So let's take a look at our first scenario here. In our first scenario, the first prophet is the prophet Enoch. Who is it? The prophet Enoch. So underneath first prophet, you'll write the name Enoch right there. Now, I want you to go with me in your Bibles. What we're going to do is we're going to put those these different points up here, and we're going to show how each one of them are backed up in the life of Enoch. So go with me to the book of Jude. That's the book right before Revelation. Jude, there's only one chapter there, and we're going to go to verse 14. Jude, verse 14. 14, and we'll also read verse 15 as well. So the Bible says this. It says, and Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, what does the Bible say he did? He prophesied of these, saying, behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints to execute what? Judgment uh, upon all and to convict all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So let me ask you a question. Is Enoch a prophet, yes or no? Yes, the Bible says he did what? He prophesied. Did God give Enoch a message, yes or no? Yeah, we just read part of it here. He did give uh, God, or Enoch, God did give Enoch a message. Now the question is, in that message... Did God give Enoch a time prophecy? Go with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 5. This is kind of a fun little fact that gets easily overlooked by some. Genesis chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 21. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. So this is under uh, the point in, uh, in it is a time prophecy in your handout. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21, it says this. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat who? Methuselah. What do you know about Methuselah? He's the oldest man that's ever lived, 969 years. So he's a very old man when he passed away. Now, what many people don't know is the name Methuselah was actually a Bible prophecy that Enoch, who was a prophet, gave to his son. It comes from two Hebrew words. Muth and Shalak. Uh, Muth means die. Shalak means sent. So literally, Methuselah's name means when he dies, it what? It will be sent. Can you imagine naming your child that? Hi, my name is when I die, it will be sent. Now, when, 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 when Enoch introduced his son or when Methuselah introduced himself, what was the obvious question that people would ask in response to his name? When you die... What will be sent, right? Why did your father name you that such a peculiar name that when you die, it shall be sent? Well, we can prove from the Bible that Methuselah died the very year that the flood came. Notice what the Bible tells us here. I want you to add this up. There is a little equation um, on your handout where you can add all of these things up. Go down with me, if you would, to verse 25. Verse 25. Uh, Genesis chapter 5 and verse 25, the Bible says this. And Methuselah lived 187 years and begat who? Lamech, that's right. So he lived 187 years. We got that up here on the screen. Methuselah was 187 years old when he had Lamech. That's pretty old, isn't it? Verses 28 and 29, listen to what the Bible says here. And Lamech lived 182 years and begat a son, And called his name, what? Noah. So how old was Lamech when Noah was born? 182 years. That's right. Now listen to this. Genesis chapter 7 and verse 11. The Bible says this. In the 600th year uh, of Noah's life, in the second month, in the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open. What event do we call that? That's the flood. So the flood happened in the 600th year of uh, Noah's life. So as if you add this up, 187 plus 182 plus 600 simply comes out to how much? 969. Now listen to what the Bible says here. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 27, the Bible says, And all the days of Methuselah were what? 969 years and he what? When did Methuselah die? He died the very year that the flood came. In the very year that the flood came and destroyed the earth, that's when Methuselah died. So Enoch named his son Methuselah. When he dies, it will be sent. What was sent when Methuselah died? The what? The flood. That's exactly right. So did God give Enoch a time prophecy, yes or no? He did. He did. It's one that you don't study very often. But he did give us a time prophecy in the naming of his son, Methuselah. So let's go back to our chart here. Was Enoch alive when the flood came? Yes or no? Was Enoch alive when the flood came? No, he wasn't. Enoch was translated to heaven, right? God came and took him because he walked with God. So it wasn't present truth for him. He wasn't alive in the fulfillment of his prophecy. Did God come in a judgment at the end of the time prophecy? Yes or no? Sure did. Destroyed the earth with a flood, did he not? So there was a judgment there. Did God save a remnant at the end of that time prophecy? Yes or no? How many? Eight, right? Noah, his three sons, his three son's wife, and his own wife, right? So there were eight people that were saved in the ark, uh, when God came in judgment. So this is the first thing that we see here. The method that God uses in raising up a prophet. He gives him a message. In that message is a time prophecy. It's not present truth for him. God comes in judgment, and there's a remnant that is taken out. Now, what prophet was it that God raised up in the fulfillment of this time prophecy? Anybody want to take a guess? Noah, that's exactly right. So underneath second prophet in your handout there, you'll write the name Noah. He's the second prophet that God raised up. <clears throat> so we'll put the uh, put our chart back up here on the screen for us this morning. So we have Noah here on the side, and we've got the Bible passages that back everything up. Was Noah a prophet? Did he predict the flood? Yes or no? Did the flood come? Did God talk to Noah? Yes or no? I mean, there's there's several passages: Genesis chapter six, verse eleven, and Genesis seven, verse one, where the Bible tells us that God spoke directly to Noah. Not only that, he predicted the coming of the flood and it happened. So definitely he was a prophet. In Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, the Bible tells us that he was a preacher of righteousness. So God gave him a message. What was his message? Get into the ark and be saved. So he preached that for 120 years, over and over and over again about the coming calamity and soon destruction that would take place upon the earth. Was the prophecy fulfilled during his time, yes or no? In the 600th year of his life. So it was present truth for him. He lived during the fulfillment of this Bible prophecy. And then we find again, God came in judgment with the flood being destroying the earth. And there was a remnant that was taking out Noah and his family. So we're familiar enough with that story. You can write down those Bible passages and go look them up on your own a little later on. So again, this is the method that God uses. He raises up a prophet. He gives him a message. In that message is a time prophecy. It's not present truth for the first prophet. In other words, it's not fulfilled during his time. There's a message of judgment, and then there's a remnant that would be called out. Then at the end of that time prophecy, he raises up a second prophet, gives them the same message. that, That time prophecy is now fulfilled in his life. The message becomes present truth for him. In other words, it's fulfilled during his life. God comes in judgment, and then there's a remnant that is taken out. So let's see how this plays out again in our second scenario. The first prophet in our second scenario is the prophet Abraham. Who is it? Abraham. So underneath first prophet in the second column there, you can write the name Abraham. So let's go ahead and put this chart back up on the screen here and see how this all is backed up with scripture. Go with me to Genesis chapter 20. Genesis chapter 20, and we're going to look at verse 7. First, we have to establish, was Abraham a prophet? Genesis chapter 20 and verse 7. Now, listen to this. The Bible says, now, therefore, this is when Abimelech took Sarah to be his wife, and God came to Abimelech and said this to him. And uh, now, now, therefore, restore the man, that is Abraham, his wife, for he is a what? Was Abraham a prophet, yes or no? Yes, he was. God called him a prophet here in Genesis chapter 20 and verse 7. Now, did God give Abraham a message? Go with me over to Genesis chapter 15. Just a couple of chapters back. Genesis chapter 15, and we're going to begin in verse 13. Genesis chapter 15, beginning in verse 13, the Bible says this. And he said unto Abraham... Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them for how long? Four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I what? Judge. And afterward shall they what? Come out with great substance. Verse 15. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old house age. Did God give Abraham a message? Yes or no? Did it have a time prophecy? Yes or no? How long was that time prophecy? Four hundred years. What was that time prophecy referring to? It was the it was his descendants, his seed, that would be slaves to the Egyptians for four hundred years. Uh, in that time prophecy, uh, was obviously not present truth for him because the Bible says that he would go to his grave at a good old age. He wasn't alive at the end of that four hundred years. Did the Bible tell us that God would come in judgment at the end of the 400 years? Yes or no? Yeah, the Bible says that same nation will I judge. And we see that in its fulfillment as well. And uh, would there be a remnant that would come out at the end of this 400 years? Yes or no? Of course there would. So who was it then at the end of the 400 years that God raised up to fulfill this time prophecy? Anybody want to take a guess? Moses, that's exactly right. So in the second column underneath the second prophet you would write the name Moses right here underneath second prophet. Moses is our second prophet. So we'll put the the chart back up here on the screen. We have Moses now on the screen here and all of the various things to back this up. Um, We have Hosea chapter 12 and verse 13. Just jot that down. That's where the Bible, where we get the reference of Moses being a prophet. The Bible refers to this many times, um, but Moses indeed was a prophet. Did God give Moses a message? Yes or no? It was a simple one, wasn't it? Let my people. Four words. What was Moses' complaint? Remember at the burning bush when God said, go tell Pharaoh. What did he say? I'm slow of speech. Send somebody else. Send my brother. God said, okay, I'll give you a short message. Let my people go. Four words. Don't ever complain because God will work it out for you to do what he's asking you to do. Let my people go. So, of course, there was more to it than that. You have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and the book of Job that was written by Moses. So he became quite prolific later on as God continued to use him in a very mighty way. So definitely God gave him a message more than just Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1, but you can put that in your notes. Uh, Was the time prophecy fulfilled during the time of Moses, yes or no? Did he walk with the children of Israel out of Egyptian captivity? Yeah, so it was it was present truth. It was fulfilled during his time. He was alive to see that thing happen. Did God come in judgment at the end of the 400 years? Yes or no? Genesis or Exodus chapter 7 through chapter 12. Those aren't verses. Those are chapters. That's where we find the judgment of God upon the Egyptians because Pharaoh stubbornly hardened his heart and wouldn't let God's people go. So God came in judgment upon them with the 10 plagues. And then did they come out? Was there a remnant that came out at the end? Yes or no? Of course there was. Children of Israel left Egypt and they began their wandering across the wilderness towards the earthly Canaan. So do do we see it in the second scenario? Same thing playing out. Amen? Okay, let's take a look at the third one now. See what else we find out. In our third scenario, the first prophet that we're going to take a look at. So this is your third column right here. The first prophet is the prophet Jeremiah. What is it? Jeremiah, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 20, Jeremiah chapter 25, in fact, Jeremiah chapter 25, and we're just going to see this again, it's going to be the same thing, but I want you to see this from the Bible, because there's a point that I'm going to get at at the end, er, Jeremiah chapter 25, now, uh, just in case you are wondering, there's no question about it that Jeremiah was a prophet. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, the Bible makes it very clear that God had ordained him as a prophet before he was even born. Uh, so no question about it, Jeremiah was definitely a prophet. But what was the message that God gave to Jeremiah? Jeremiah chapter 25, and we're going to look at verses 11 and 12. <clears throat> the Bible says this. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon for how long? And it shall come to pass when the 70 years are accomplished that I will, what? Punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans and will make it perpetual desolations. Did God give Jeremiah a message, yes or no? Was there a time prophecy in that message, yes or no? Yes. How long was that time prophecy? 70 years. That was how long that the children of Israel, the Jews, would serve the king of Babylon. They would be in Babylonian captivity for 70 years they would serve him. Was Jeremiah alive at the end of that 70 years? Yes or no? He was not. He was killed, unfortunately, before those 70 years were fulfilled. So he didn't see God's people let go. He lived during the last five kings... Over Israel, all of them being very wicked men. It was a terrible time in uh among God's people. It was a very wicked time period in their history. Um, did God come in judgment, or did he have a message of judgment uh that he predicted here? Yes or no? Yeah, he said this that he would punish the king of Babylon because of the captivity that his people would be under for 70 years. So indeed there is a message of judgment. And in Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, we're going to read that here in a minute, so just jot it down. That's where we find the remnant being called out of their Babylonian captivity to come back to Jerusalem and to rebuild it. Now, what prophet do you think it was that God raised up at the end of the 70 years? The prophet Daniel is a prophet that I'm thinking about here. Prophet Daniel would be the second prophet in this lineup here. Daniel, in fact, notice what the Bible tells us. Uh, If you go with me in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9, you're going to find something really interesting here. Daniel chapter 9, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. And just in case you were wondering, in Matthew 24, verse 15, Jesus calls Daniel a prophet. I don't think that's under debate, but you can put it there in your notes just so you have it. Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Uh, Listen to this. The Bible says, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the Chaldeans. So this was the first year of Darius reigning over his new conquered kingdom. Verse 2, it says, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years where, uh, uh, where uh, uh, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish how long? Seventy years in the desolation of Jerusalem. What book of the Bible was Daniel reading? Evidently, he was reading the book of Jeremiah, and he was studying Jeremiah chapter 25, which we just read, where God said 70 years of captivity would take place to the Babylonians. And as Daniel was reading Jeremiah chapter 25 and studying this time prophecy, he was counting off the years, and he was realizing that that 70 years was coming to a what? an end. It's coming to an end. So was Daniel studying the same message that was given to Jeremiah? Yes or no? Apparently he was. He even tells us about it right here in Daniel chapter 9. Was the time prophecy fulfilled at that time? Yeah. Shortly after this is when we find the decree to go back to Jerusalem. And as I said, we're going to read Ezra here in just a minute when we get to the bottom of this lineup. So in other words, it was present truth for Daniel. It was fulfilled right at his time towards the end of his life. Did God come in judgment upon the Babylonians? Yes or no? He did. In Daniel chapter five, what happened? Mine, mine, tickle you right? It was written on the wall and Babylon fell at that particular time. So God came in judgment upon them as the Medes and the Persians came and conquered that kingdom. Now, I want you to go with me to the book of Ezra, and I want to read to you this very interesting passage here. Ezra chapter 1, and the last two verses of 2 Chronicles goes along with this as well. We won't read it. You can read it later on. It basically says the same thing that Ezra says twice in the Bible. Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 through three the bible says this now in the first year of cyrus king of persia that the word of the lord by the mouth of jeremiah might be what what was the word of the lord by the mouth of jeremiah how long 70 years they would serve the king of babylon so now this is in fulfillment to that uh it goes on the lord stirred up the spirit of cyrus king of persia "...that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing." Listen to this. "...Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him an house at Jerusalem, which is in Judea." Listen to verse 3. "...Who is there among you of all his people, his God being with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem?" which is in Judea, and do what? Build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. Was there a calling of a remnant out, yes or no? Cyrus, a pagan king, was stirred by God. His heart was stirred to fulfill Bible prophecy. This tells me that God is the one who makes everything or allows things to happen the way he wants them to here on this earth. Here we have a pagan king who God is stirring his heart so that the Bible prophecy in Jeremiah chapter 25 could be fulfilled. Isn't that amazing? You have Jeremiah prophesying it, you have Daniel reading it, and then you have Cyrus, a pagan king, making a decree to fulfill it. So clear in Scripture here. So we have a calling out of a remnant that takes place at the end of this time prophecy. And again, 2 Chronicles says the same thing that we just read in the book of Ezra. So let's flip our pages over and go to our fourth scenario. This is going to get kind of interesting here. First prophet in our fourth scenario. We're going to use the prophet Daniel again. And I want to stress something here about how important Daniel's uh, position as a prophet is. Because not only is he a fulfilling prophet, he fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah, but he's also a forecasting prophet forecasting future events that are yet to come so he actually played both role, roles as a prophet so very pivotal prophet in the word of god playing both fulfilling and prophesying of future events so first prophet is the prophet daniel let's put our chart up here again uh again there's no argument about daniel being a prophet but did god give daniel a message of course he did right What message is it that God gave to Daniel? In Daniel chapter 9, we won't take the time to read it because we did this during our seminar. But in Daniel chapter 9, there is a prophecy that is called the 70 weeks. The how how long? The 70 week time prophecy. You remember that 70 week time prophecy was cut off from the larger prophecy of the 2,300 days. So there are many messages or many prophecies that God gave to Daniel about future events. The one I want to refer to is in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, the 70 weeks of Daniel 9. Now, just in summarization, you've got these points here that you can fill out, number 1, 2, and 3. There were three main points to the 70 weeks of Daniel chapter 9. The three main points, number one was the anointing of the Messiah <clears throat> or the baptism of Jesus. Number two was the death of the Messiah, where he said he would be cut off out of the land of the living. And number three, the close of the probation, close of probation upon the Jews. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. So these are the three main points that we find in the 70 weeks of Daniel chapter 9. There's a lot of other details, but these, these are the three main points. And that's going to be important here in just a moment. So the anointing of the Messiah, the death of the Messiah and the close of probation upon the Jews. So did God give Daniel time prophecy, yes or no? Of course he did. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, 70 weeks. Was Daniel alive during the fulfillment of the 70 weeks? No, he wasn't there when this fulfillment took place, when the Messiah was anointed, when he was cut off, and when the close of probation took place. He wasn't alive, so it wasn't present truth for him. It was also a message of judgment because he said, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. It was 70 weeks for the Jews. And at the end of that time period, we understand that the Bible tells us that now it was open to whoever was led by the Spirit of God. They could become sons and daughters of God. So it was a message of judgment. There was a probationary period of time there. And, of course, the remnant that was called out were those that were led by the Spirit of God. They were both Jew and Gentile who accepted Jesus and the New Testament message that we find in the book of Acts that Jesus was the Messiah, who died and rose again. Now, what what prophet do you suppose it was that God raised up in fulfillment to the 70 weeks of Daniel chapter 9? You got it, brother. John the Baptist, that's right. John the Baptist was the prophet that God raises up at the end. And again, we'll put this up here on the screen so we can see it. John the Baptist was definitely a prophet. Jesus said that he was the greatest of prophets in Luke chapter 7, And verse 28, did God give John the Baptist a message? Was it a popular message? Did it produce results? But did it cost him his life? (laughs) A lot of interesting parallels with the end days. But notice this. The message that John the Baptist proclaimed, it had the same three points that you find in Daniel's prophecy in Daniel chapter 8. He predicted or he he fulfilled rather the anointing of the Messiah. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world as Jesus was coming down to be baptized of him. Again, he predicted the death of the Messiah, that he was a lamb who would die, have his blood spilt so that other people's sins could be forgiven. And then also he talked about the close of probation on the Jews. And this is a very interesting passage in Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. You can go back and read that in your spare time. He had a very cutting message for those Jews who rejected the gospel and rejected Jesus. He said, the axe is laid at the root, and any tree that doesn't bear forth fruit will be hewn down and thrown into the fire. And he was talking about the Jewish nation, that if they didn't bear fruit, God was going to cut them down and throw them into the fire, and then there would be another tree or another branch that would bring forth fruit. And that, of course, is the New Testament church that would take place. So, same three points that that Daniel had in his 70-week time prophecy... John also predicted or fulfilled those same three points in his message as well. So it was the same message that was given to Daniel in Daniel chapter 9. Now, the fulfillment of this time prophecy uh, largely took place during the time of John the Baptist. If he had been alive to fulfill the natural course of his life, he would have survived all through the fulfillment of the 70 weeks. Unfortunately, we know that. John the Baptist was killed prematurely, and so he didn't see quite the fulfillment of every single point. But he would have if he would have been alive or left to live and not die a premature death. Did God come in judgment upon the Jewish nation at this point, yes or no? At the end of the 70 weeks? Yeah, they were no longer God's chosen people at that point, right? And that's why they make statements like, whoever is led by the Spirit of God can be sons and daughters of God. That's why Paul makes the statements like there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek for the same Lord overall is rich unto all that shall be saved. So there is no difference now. There wasn't just one select group of people, but all of God's people who chose to be led by his spirit could become sons and daughters of God. And I'm thankful for that. How about you? And of course, that remnant that was called out is the New Testament church. Those who accepted Jesus as their Messiah and uh proclaim that message as they continue to move forward now the last scenario that i want to share with you this morning is where things get a little interesting in our study in this last scenario we have uh the first prophet i'm going to take another prophecy from the writings of the prophet daniel there are many things there that we can learn and this is one that's particularly applicable to our time period So the first prophet in this last scenario, middle column in your sheet, is the prophet Daniel. Of course, we've already established that Daniel is a prophet. We've already established that God has given him messages. But the message that I'm referring to now is the message in Daniel chapter 8 and verse 14. You remember this one from our prophecy seminar. Unto 2,300 days, then shall the what? sanctuary be cleansed we've studied this in our bible prophecy seminar under 2300 days then shall the sanctuary be cleansed is it a time prophecy yes or no yeah 2300 days 2300 years this would be a fulfillment that would take or something would happen at the end of the fulfillment of this prophecy of the 2300 years was daniel alive at the end of the 2300 years he would have been the oldest guy that ever lived if he was Right. This was a long time prophecy. Some say the longest of time prophecies. But it was also the one that the Bible tells us was to be shut up and sealed for a certain period of time. In Daniel chapter 12 verses 4 and 9. And that at the time of the end, this prophecy would be unsealed and people would be able to understand it. Now, of course, the 2300 days is dealing with the cleansing of the what? Cleansing of the sanctuary. And we've established in our study together that the cleansing of the sanctuary in the Jewish mind was equated with judgment. It was equated with what? Even still today, in the Jewish mind, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, is equated with a time of judgment. During the time of the Old Testament... On the day of atonement, God was removing sin out of the camp of the children of Israel. If they held on to any sin and went over to the next day of that year, they would be expelled out of the camp of the children of Israel and they would die in the wilderness. It was a time of judgment. God wanted to cleanse his people of sin. All sin had to be confessed and inside the sanctuary. So when the priest cleansed the sanctuary, their sins could be cleansed as well. So indeed, it was a message ...of judgment that would take place at the end of the 2300 days. And of course, the remnant that would be called out at the fulfillment of this in 1844... ...the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17... ...that it would be the remnant of the church's seed... ...that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. Now listen to me carefully. Have we established biblically that God's method of operation... ...is to raise a prophet, give him a time prophecy... And at the end of that time, prophecy to raise another prophet, yes or no? Have we established that biblically, yes or no? We have. So let me ask you another question. Can we expect that at the end of the 2300 days that God would raise up the gift of prophecy, yes or no? Now, listen to me carefully. If he did not, that would go against his method of operation that we find clearly outlined in Scripture. There are more scenarios like this that you can go and dig up if you so choose to. But this is a method. We see it repeated over and over and over again that God has a forecasting prophet. And then he has a fulfilling prophet that fulfills the prophecy at the end when it comes to its fulfillment. So as we see this biblically, we can expect that at the end of the 2300 days that God would again raise up the gift of prophecy And, of course, we find that in the life period of the uh, prophet Ellen G. White, as we have studied it in our Bible prophecy seminar. We went through the different tests of a prophet in our seminar. We found how every test was fulfilled in the life of Ellen G. White. And now we're finding again that at the end of the 2300 days, God would again raise up the gift of a prophet as according to his method of operation that we find in scripture so again we've seen this already Uh, again uh ellen white as we've seen in our bible study together in our bible prophecy seminar received the gift of prophecy we've already established that you can go back and listen to it again if you would like to there's a very similar message that you will find early on in ellen white's ministry if you read the book early writings you will find a lot that deals with the time of judgment the end of the 2300 days the second coming of Christ, the seven last plagues, all these various subjects that go along with the prediction that Daniel made that at the end of the 2300 days, God would begin a time of judgment. You can see this very clearly as you read the writings uh, there in early writings of G. White. The time prophecy was obviously ful- fulfilled during her time period. It was present truth for her. She was 17 years old in 1844 when the uh, prophecy came to its fulfillment. God came in judgment at that point. Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. The first angel's message, the Bible says, the hour of his what is come. The hour of his judgment is come. So it was present truth. It was something that they were living through that the hour of God's judgment was taking place. And the remnant... ...that was called out, we understand from our study together... ...was the, uh, the group that is now identified as the Seventh-day Adventist Church... We have looked in our Bible prophecy seminar. We have looked at the message that God's people would preach. Revelation chapter 14. We've looked at the characteristics that God's people would have in the last days. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17. We've looked at the historical experience that they would go through. In Revelation chapter 10. Eating the bitter book and having that bittersweet experience. We have firmly established this in our study together. And we find that they were the ones that were called out. And had the fulfillment of the testimony of Jesus which is the spirit of prophecy. Now, here's something very interesting. In 1844, there were some very interesting things going on at that time period. There was a man by the name of Joseph Smith. Anybody remember him? He was the prophet to the Mormon church. He rose up right around that time period and wrote his book called the Book of Mormons book was compiled right around that time period of 1844. Uh, There's also the Baha'i faith with their prophet that arose around the time period of 1844. The Jehovah's Witness with their leader, Charles Russell, they were established again around that time period of 1844. Christian Science with their founder, Mary Baker Eddy, Again, established around the time period of 1844. The Fox Sisters, we've talked about them in our Bible Prophecy Seminar. They established the concept of spiritualism, channeling the dead and being able to communicate with those who had passed away. Charles Darwin, he finished his manuscript of Origin of Species in guess what year? 1844. Finished the manuscript. It was printed shortly after that, but he finished it in 1844. Margaret MacDonald, she began speaking in tongues. Uh, She was a founder also of, or one of the founders of the Pentecostal movement. Uh, Again, that happened around the time period of 1844. And then Marxism, with Karl Marx, his uh, book, The Communist Manifesto, that was also finished in, guess what year? 1844. So very interesting. When you look at what's going on in the world, do you think the devil knew that God was about to raise up the gift of prophecy? Yes or no? Do you think that the devil studies the Bible? Yes or no? Of course, he studies the Bible. He studies the Bible and he sees God's methods of operation. He sees how God, he, he raises up a prophet. He gives him a time prophecy. And at the end of that time prophecy, he raises up another one to fulfill that. So the devil started getting a little nervous. And he said, well, here we come. We're coming to the end of the 2300 years in 1844. And he knew that at that time, God would raise up the gift of prophecy. So what did he do? He tried to raise up a bunch of counterfeits to distract people. Now, here's the thing. Listen to me carefully. If you are a Bible-believing Christian, and I believe all of you are, if we are Bible-believing Christians, what we have to settle in our mind is this. If Ellen White was not the true prophet, we have to settle in our mind, who was it then? Because clearly in Scripture, God has already established this principle that at the end of a time prophecy, he raises up another prophet that has the same message the first prophet had. So if Ellen White is not that prophet, we have to somehow figure it out in our heads who it was and who it was that God gave the same message that he gave to Daniel. I'm going to just let you in on a little secret that's not much of a secret you won't find anybody else. You won't find anybody else. There's, I mean, all of these different people here that we have on the screen that that, that were raised up around the time period of 1844 to distract from the true gift of prophecy, not one of them talked about the hour of God's judgment that began in 1844. Not one of them were preaching the three angels' message of Revelation chapter 14. Not one of them had the characteristics that we find in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17, keeping the commandments of God and having the testimony of Jesus. Not one of them went through the experience that we find in Revelation chapter 10, where they would have a bittersweet experience. None of them have gone through that experience. I'm telling you this morning, brothers and sisters, as I studied the word of God, and as I had to come to this conclusion on my own, there is only one fulfillment to this, and it has to be Ellen White. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Now, you can prove it from the standpoint of the tests of a prophet, and that's valid. But when you look at this, there's no question about it. There is no other person that had the gift of prophecy that was preaching the hour of God's judgment to come in the year 1844. Nobody. There is only one. And that was the true gift that God raised up in the ministry of Ellen White. Now, if you haven't had the chance to read the writings of this historic woman... who who has been translated, her writings have been translated. Uh, She's the most translated American author. Uh, We have material out on our resource desk that you can pick up on your way out. And I suggest just go ahead and take a couple if you want to. That's fine. It's free. Just take it and go and study it for yourself, because I believe you will be deeply blessed as you study the writings that she has written. Now let me close with a couple of passages here. First Thessalonians chapter five, verses twenty and twenty-one. The Bible says, Despise not prophesying but do what? Now here's the interesting thing to me. Most people who have rejected Ellen White as a prophet have not even read her writings themselves. Just the fact that somebody says she's a prophet, they say, oh, forget it. I'm not going to have anything to do with this. If you do that, you're not going in accordance with the uh, advice that Paul gives to us to prove all things. Don't despise it. Listen, the gift of prophecy is a blessing. Would you say amen? The gift of prophecy is God's way of leading his people so that they don't trip and fall into the devil's snare and deception. They are the eyes of. ...of God's church, that God is telling us... ...to anoint our eyes with eye salve ...so that Laodicea can see. Now, I'm telling you this morning... ...that it's not just the writings of God's biblical prophets... ...that we need to take notice of. But we need to take notice of whatever prophet... ...God so chooses to raise up. Would you say amen? amen. Despise not prophesying, but prove all things... ...and hold fast to that which is good. Hold to the good stuff. And then again, he says in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18... ...where there is no vision... The people perish. I don't want to perish. I want to follow the vision that God is giving to his people. Amen? So I pray that this study was a blessing to you. And I want to challenge you in your newfound commitment with the Lord, many of you, and some of you just recommitting to the Lord again, to go back and read the writings that God has given to us, both of his biblical prophets and of the prophets that he raised, the prophet that he raised up in 1844 with the gift of prophecy to lead his people. Stop by our resource desk. We've got stacks of books there. You can grab one and take it for yourself. If you want to take one for a friend, that's fine as well. But go back, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Don't despise prophesying. Let's take the advice of Paul and prove and hold fast to that which is good. Would you say Amen. Amen. Let's have a closing word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that we could spend time together studying your word this morning. And Lord, we thank you that you have given to us a more sure word of prophecy. Father, we want to be led as your people. We want to be led through the writings of your prophets. There are many of them, Lord, that you have raised up in the Bible to help guide us to make right decisions in our life, to help us to know when your coming is very soon. But, Lord, we also know that Peter tells, told us that in the last days that there would be others who would be raised up with the gift of prophecy to continue to help guide your people. Help us, Lord, I pray, as we study the writings of your prophets. May you help us to hold fast to that which is good. We thank you, Lord. We ask that you would guide and bless us now in Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse